Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on May the 31st, 2015. I hope some of you are enjoying the summer, because where I am in this part of Ontario, for the last four or five years it's been constantly monsooning every, every summer basically. Uh, just massive, massive downpours where you can't hear yourself thinking for the noise outside the stuff coming down. Never mind see through it. It's uh, incredible. But again, you see, I'm right at the top of a jet stream. It loops where I am, right over the top of me. And they even say in the geoengineering chem spraying papers that they would use these heavily to doze the atmosphere. And where they doze them is where this, the jet stream loops. They can put a heavy carrying dose on them and they'll be carried down back into the U.S., for instance, from where I am. So I get it getting sprayed down in Michigan as it passes over there. It comes up here and then it loops above Sudbury area and goes right back down into Buffalo and New York area. So that carries the heavy uh, dose uh, and it comes down gradually. But you definitely get an awful lot more above the loops where they dose it heavily, mightily every single day. That's the normal now, uh, the new normal for for weather control. And some areas are getting parched, of course, and other ones are becoming deluged, like I am here. And that's the agenda, of course, because it's a warfare. It's weather warfare is a very old concept, much written about in academia. And top uh, professors have put out their papers on it over many years, since the 50s especially, in more detail, that is, using the very concept of geoengineering for moving populations uh, out of areas they're in. They simply give up and move out without ever knowing why it's really happening. And uh, and you can get many things accomplished this way. You can cause famines and, and so on in certain areas, and droughts and other ones too. So it's quite easy to conquer whole continents with weather modification. And again, since that's the big stick today to change all of our lives, to be put under expert control from birth to death across the world, that's what they hid on at the Club of Rome. And even before then, they said the same thing in technocracy, which uh, was adopted by the CFR and trilateralists into their agenda then you find they're actually doing it all now. Uh, expert control and guidance. You can't go on living the way you've always lived, making your own decisions, living where you want to live, and working at what you want to work at, etc. We have to do it all for you and manage you from birth to death. A very close technique, basically, to the one used in Brave New World. You're rolling towards it, of course, and that's the concept of controlling reality. To control populations, it's a very whole concept, it's not new at all, it's not a sci-fi thing. It's very, very old. You must give them a reality to begin with. And the proper people in all ages made sure that the proper reality was created for the people. Uh, they taught it properly and the people believed it properly. That's never changed, including today. When people think now they've broken loose, they think of religious bonds and things like that. But they don't realize that now they're under the influence of the new sciences, the sciences with the white-coated priests who tell them the new realities, the experts, you see. It's not a religion, basically. So rather than be free to think for yourself, 
you, you really are under the best indoctrination ever. Because the old religions gave you a lot of open space, actually, compared to what you're given today. That's the concept of giving realities for people. And the people truly do believe properly. When they're told by experts over and over by repetition, not by facts, but simply repetition, uh, the, the same concepts, they will believe them. And it's hard to break those concepts or these ideas from them once they've been indoctrinated. And that's what most people are finding out today, of course. They also truly do believe, like Brzezinski said, uh, in his book, nineteen, his book was done in 1970s, I should say, uh, between two ages, where he said that the people were unable, basically, to think for themselves and that shortly they'll expect the media to do their reasoning for them. The people look to the media now as being some kind of early warning system. So the in-between playing all the time, uh, they expect the media to interrupt them and say, worry about this, do something about that, rather than think for themselves. Because thinking for yourself does interrupt your playing habits. And people love playing today. And the more complex things become, and strange in a way, to the, to the general population, the more they'll retreat into fantasy. They like to play a lot and fantasize a lot because they can't really grasp all the concepts of what they're taught as a very complicated world. And yet complication has nothing to do with it. It's just it's the same old techniques that have been used forever with the use of mass communication added to that. It's, it's perfected today. And every day you're given a barrage of meaningless, often meaningless news. And by meaningless, I say that meaningless because you have no say in any decisions that are made in, in any particular level of anything at all. That is also a new teaching, a fairly recent teaching, where from the 50s onwards they said the big boys who played in the global uh, the global system, global parliamentarians, if you like, because we've had it for a long time, they talked about creating the new culture and creating this era of confusion amongst the general population. When you have too much confusion, you, you, you shut down and retreat into the fantasy, the safe fantasy that gives you happy endings at the end of one hour or two hours movies and stuff like that. And it's worked awfully, awfully well. Part of the process was to create a form of dissociation where people are dissociated with everything around them. They feel so minute, like tiny atoms, uh, that they feel helpless. And that creates a form of apathy. When people are apathetic, they don't complain about all the new restrictions and taxes and laws that come down upon them. They, they simply become more apathetic because, they, again, the message behind it all, the quiet message, very quiet, is, uh, but consistent, is that you don't count, you don't count, you don't count. It's all psychological warfare. And it starts, it starts basically at birth, this, this whole concept, this new concept. So, people today truly do feel disassociated from everything around them to an extent. Their jobs are often meaningless jobs, repetitive jobs, and... They, they, they stumble through their work habits and, and so on every day uh, and rush home and switch on TV or play games or watch movies and escape into something that's much more comfortable and it's, it's got a safe feeling to it. 
Because as I say, most movies give you kind of happy endings where the, the good guys always win, hopefully, and uh, the bad guys always lose, which is the complete opposite of reality. It really truly is the complete opposite. People have no idea of their history. Because again, the proper people made sure the proper indoctrination was given and they taught it properly and the people believed it properly because that's what every nation has given their people down through the ages is the proper version of things. Not the true one, but the proper one. With the avalanche of backscatter, as I call most daily news, to keep you yapping about things or arguing about things or worrying about things and so on. Meaningless articles are churned out all the time. You'll find occasional little bits of truth or partial truth today, actually, because they never go into anything in great detail whatsoever. And But most folk today get, get, get covered with the avalanche. They're submerged in it. And they, they're, they're frantic, basically, because they, they don't understand what's happening. So I tend to try and ignore all the backscatter that's churned out daily. You understand, today you see you're run by experts. And I mean, you truly are run by experts. Even the things that you pick up and become, become your hobbies and are given to you and promoted and so on. To keep you occupied, you see. It keeps you out of trouble. And trouble to the big boys is thinking for yourself, basically. That's trouble. That can lead to lots of trouble for the big boys. Especially if you can communicate and you have the intellect to go along with it, etc. They can really see that as a future threat. In fact, if you, if you are there already and you understand what's really going on and what you should be concerned about and so on, you're already marked down. They, they know all about you. You're marked down. Uh, basically, and put into a little category there. Even if you have no affiliations, you're you're an unaffiliated uh, rebel or or future terrorist or something like that, and that's how you're marked down, a subversive. So, and I mean that they actually use these terms for you and all their categorizations as they collect your data and try to find out all about you and your little cluster of friends and your hobbies and everything else. What turns you on, what turns you off, what gets you angry. Uh, they know all about you from all the different trolls who are out there paid to try and niggle away at you and, and get to lose your temper, things like that. It, it's warfare. And those at the very, very top, of course, live in a completely different reality. You can imagine if you know all the things that are really going on and the whys of why everything really is going on. And you're participating in signing big global treaties and things to do with what's really going on. But you can never tell the public. It's none of the pu- Actually, they'll say that. It's not their place. That term's been used all down through history. It's not your place to know. Mind your place. They used to use that in Britain. Even when I went to school in the first few years, they were still using that term. Mind your place. Don't ask these questions. You have to know your place like a slave, a minion, you see. And you find that that's the attitude today at the very, very top. 
And of course, everything from the top boys themselves, uh, most of it never gets into any media at all because they're really top people. I've got all their front men and underlings beneath them, the, the wannabes underneath them, like prime ministers and presidents. And th- these are the, the minions underneath them, the wannabes, uh, the, the, the groveling psychophants, basically. So that's how the system really, really works. But the ones at the very top live in a completely different reality, like Lord Bertrand Russell said they would, that the ruling elite of the world we become a, a, a different, not just a class of people, already we're a different class, but they become a different breed. And at the top, they can talk about reality without any of the restrictions that are put upon you. But don't talk about that, that's not politically correct, uh, and that will offend this. No, they can, they can come out and say what they want to each other at the top, you see, without killing each other or strangling each other if they're from different particular racial backgrounds or whatever it happens to be or even sexual orientations, they live in a completely different reality. And they can look at everything objectively rather than subjectively. And it's all tied in with the, the social Darwinistic concept of elitism and, and the survival of not just the fittest, but the fittest as far as breeding concepts go, and to be a good breeder uh, survivor, you must have incredible wealth and power that goes along with the wealth. Because in this system of money, wealth is power. It guarantees that everyone beneath you is going to treat you differently from their own peer groups. And police everything, you know, courts, you name it. In fact, <laughs> at the very, very top, no one at the top will ever go to court ever for anything at all. That's just the way it is. And they accept that quite naturally amongst themselves at the top. They have no problems with it at all. So we're living in a, in a fake reality at the bottom. Uh, people are ready to kill each other at times over arguments, even on the internet and on their Twitter and all the rest of the things that they're into. And, and uh, they don't realize they're being played with and monitored and tested all the time to see how they react to different things. It's so perfect today. And the internet truly has been the greatest thing of all, with all of the things that was spawned to do with data collection on a daily, real-time basis. It's quite fantastic. They also have academia involved big time from the very beginning, giving them lots of your own records to, see, to get you into their clusters and do psychology tests on you and all that kind of stuff. It's quite, quite something else. Never before in history has any tyrant or group of tyrants ever had the ability to grab all this stuff uh, and have such, have it basically at all, at all. I mean, the, the young generations have no concept of privacy. They think it's some obsolete old-fashioned thing you don't need anymore. And they put everything up, apparently, on their, their Facebooks and their pages and everything else. It's just, just incredible. Totally conquered and don't know, they think they're free. Because they can do that, they think they're free. It's quite something else, isn't it? Sad. Sad but true. And getting back to even the, the one, one part of the agenda, the weather warfare concept, and through the chemtrails, they achieve many objectives at once. Big boys are, are very, they don't ever think they're stupid at the top. You don't get to the top by being stupid. Even in psychopathy, you have all categories of psychopathy. You can have low intellect psychopaths who smash 
uh, the jeweler's window and grab something because they just have a sudden impulse. They, they want that necklace or whatever. Or you, you can have, or the ones who simply drink themselves to death uh, and so on. Or you get the ones at the very top who have been born into better families, given opportunities through better education and status that goes along with it, better education. And uh, they don't have worries about money at all as they're growing up. And they meet all the right people and their peer group, which is awfully important at the very elite private schools. They meet their peer group. I remember Margaret Thatcher talking about that once. There was an argument, for instance, in Britain, uh, when the British government, when she was in, in supposedly in charge of it, decided to subsidise all the private schools because education was getting so expensive for everybody that they needed extra funding from the public purse. And and she says, well, we must keep them going because that's where her future elite will come from. And that is where they meet their peers, the ones they'll work with in commerce and government and industry and so on. That's where they meet them. In other words, the mogul class, you see, the, the psychopathic class of inbred psychopaths uh, in a... In a a stratified layer, going up to the very elite of very inbred ones who've been at this for centuries. So uh, that's how reality really happens to be. And it's not unique to one particular area. Uh, You'll find that you had the same thing in China, even through the communist year to the present time. And you'll find it in Middle Eastern countries as well. That are really the warmer the climate, the more, the more you find they're more family orientated, and they'll breed within the family unit or, or the, the the tribe or the large tribe, etc. And many of some of them have massive restrictions against outbreeding. It's the greatest sin you can commit is to marry outside your group. So there's different parts of all of this to do with elitism, of course. But the elites knew a long time ago, even in the 1700s, 1800s, when the massive wealth was coming in through an increase in trade and shipping, they they knew that the future was in their hands already. And uh, back in those days, don't forget that most of the world was in a feudal system with the old elites there who owned the shipping routes and the slave routes and everything else. And they made money off everything. North America was basically a feudal society uh, with charters given by the King of England uh, to, to, for, for certain characters uh, who owned all the ports. Basically, they were given charge of all the ports. So everybody who came in and all the goods that came into those ports, they got a massive personal fee themselves given to them, uh, these massive captains of industry, and including the immigrants too. And that they could also decide how much land they could sell or even rent to most of the incomers. And incredible history to that that's omitted in modern American history. Because again, you're given the proper belief system and the proper history and not the true one. And so you, you find out the same, the same families have been running continents for centuries. It's been said long ago that behind every great fortune is a great crime. And that's a fact. Don't get all fussed up about it. That's a fact because psychopaths and history too have no problem doing the things which are 
considered to be immoral or wrong or evil by the general populations they live amongst. They have no qualms there at all. They call themselves realists at the top, and technically they're right. Uh, they have the power to get away with murder, even murder on a vast scale with wars and things, and profit off it too. And and yet, over time, they become part of the establishment, if not the, the, from the very beginning, and they're respectable. They become respectable. You have hoods today in the U.S., and their offspring even today, uh, often whose uh, parents were involved in one of the other mafia, one of the many mafias out inside the United States, and uh, but today their their offspring are respectable, went to the best colleges and all the rest of it, which gives them respectability. They're taught how to speak and have oratory lessons, etc., and debating lessons, and they seem to be to the average person who hears these debates more intellectual than themselves. The whole point is to make you feel that you, you couldn't debate like that, and etc., etc. You're, you're beneath them. Leave the power in the hands of the powerful people. That's, that's, what, that's the message behind it all. But really, they're not much brighter, and often less bright than you are. It's all in public relations and how things are promoted to the public. Everything's a show, you see. Everything's a show. And in this system, anyone who actually works on any level, even within the Rothschilds, they're still worker bees. The ones at the very top don't do the work. Anything which is, they, they want changed in the world, they make a suggestion to their underling who does all the work and gets all that across the world very, very quickly that they want this changed. And it's done all quietly, you see. That's the real bosses at the top. You know, in the God class, that is. But for the rest of the public, they're given the underlings, and they think, they're taught to believe that they truly are the bosses. And that's a tragedy, really, when you understand what reality is all about. It's a tragedy, that. Because underlings come and go all the time, as you well know. Prime Ministers and Presidents come and go. And that's why they gave you this con of democracy. You think you're going to get a better party in the next time, or you hope you, you will. And so you vote the last bunch out. But nothing changes. And the same policies and treaties, ongoing treaties, uh, continue between changes in the parliamentary house. So it doesn't make any difference what you vote for. And it never really did. In fact, everything's preordained by the bosses at the top. Power never gives itself up and says, oh, I'm fed up with this power. I'll give it all to the people. It just doesn't happen, folks. It doesn't happen at all. But it does stop the people from having rebellions every few years, you see, as you're plundered and plundered and plundered. Because most of the wealth comes from you. If you look at some of the biggest families in the States and in Britain, because many of them would cross the waters back and forth all the time, like the Astor family, and how they got their cash. They didn't spend any of their cash when they were shipping magnets with masses of ships across the world. They did all kinds of dirty deeds and awful trades and things like that. They got massive subsidies even in the 1700s, 1800s, these, these captains of industry, from the government. And with that money, they could put down the cost of the next voyage across wherever. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. 
the taxpayer still pays for all big business. Not just in the US, but everywhere else too. Today it's called public-private partnerships. It's the same thing. Anyway, getting back to the weather concept of things and how the big boys always get what they want through They've got tremendous faith in science. Tremendous faith in it. And they truly, they truly do. They bring in top professionals in the, in the fields of uh, various academia to give them lectures on things. They're very, very top all the time. So they can get an idea where the wind is going scientifically in different areas that they can use themselves. And they can also make sure then with little suggestions. See, see the top guys, when they make suggestions, that's the law. That's the law of God speaking right there. And these suggestions are carried out immediately. And if they say, well, uh, this could be very, very useful, this science, but let's not let anybody know about it. They're not ready yet. That means you get the whole field to themselves, to use upon the general public or the world or weather warfare, whatever it happens to be. We're in such an advanced scientific age today. The stuff you get in newspapers is obsolete. It's always been obsolete your whole life long. And even before you were born. Whoever's just given to the public to consume is obsolete. The latest this, the latest that, the latest laser, blah, blah. Or laser warfare, that's the, the, the prattle today. That's old, old, old stuff. The stuff that's really cutting edge, you won't hear of until maybe 50 years from now. The stuff that they can use at the top when they want to, if they want to, when they want to. People in all ages have made gods in their own image. It's almost a human-type god. And somebody a long time ago said if humans were shaped like triangles, they'd have, they'd have statues that are gods as triangles. It's a projection of yourself onto your deities. And uh, I really liked the, the, the Greek classics, basically, because they would... They were more tongue-in-cheek about it because they were an educated class, of course, who wrote the tragedies and things like that and various odysseys, etc. And they always portrayed their gods living up in this beautiful uh, world of their own, basically, looking down upon the world, society, and playing with the people. Just playing with them to see what would happen just for fun and amusement and things like that. Uh, and uh, in other words, it's also an analogy to how the world is really run by those at the very top and how they can play with you. And they do play with us all the darn time. The word went down to academia quite a few years back, in fact. They start putting out false historical reports on things and then following up on Twitter, etc., to see how... It would catch on like a meme in the public and just just go across the board and they could follow it to see how gullible the public were. And they're they're doing that all the time on different things, you know. Understand, if you go back into the past, yeah, you can speculate forever. Speculation is as limited as the human imagination on ancient mysteries and things, which is a great business today, of course, for a lot of people. Because I say there's, there's no limit to the imagination. And we're given things to speculate on all the time that don't make any difference one way or another to where you are today or where things are going. It's a great diversion. And also counterintelligence. 
has very cleverly brought all the, the, the trained, trained, very well trained speculators and counterintelligence into even what they used to call the patriot movement, now it's the truth movement and so on and so on. And they bring them in, and they bring them in always to start telling the, the addition of the facts that they're that's circulating around about what's happening today with different things. And then gradually they, they veer them off into ancient mysteries or aliens and things like that, counterintelligence. They even have traveling uh, conspiracy roadshows now, promoted from the top. Why do you think that is? It means, see, whenever you start prattling off about reality and the facts, the average person is going to lump you in with the, the UFOs and the aliens and lizard folk and things like that. And, and, and you're immediately ridiculed and that's you nullified. Whatever you've got to say about facts doesn't matter anymore. That's called counterintelligence. And it works awfully well. Today, in, with academia working on behalf of the elites, uh, specific people within academia at the top, belonging to the right associations, like the trilateral groups and so on, dealing with all the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreements and multilateral trade investment agreements, and all the things that are way above the public, you get no say in, in fact. And even though, what's always amazed me, is that, you see, for years they pulled the same stunt off in Britain with uh, the economic uh, trade agreements that they had for the European, which became the Union eventually, and they, they never said Union anywhere, of course, until the end when it was all done. And next thing you knew, you were submerged with a super parliament running all the countries, and with a super central bank, etc., and the IMF, and all the things that were set up by the Council on Foreign Relations, the private club, Royal Institute of International Affairs, Etc. The Bank for International Settlement. They're dealing. They're running your whole life, and they said at the end, once they had this the super parliament up and running, you can't do trade agreements. These kinds of trade agreements, because it also involved all of your laws, your national laws, etc. Until your national laws eventually just got blown away in the wind, and that's what happened. But so that the Trans-Pacific Partnership uh, that's going on in secret, just like the EU one was always in secret. And like NAFTA was a secret, and free trade agreement for the Americas was a secret. Uh, you got the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and people still vote and think they're free, and yet you're told with anything that really matters is going to affect you all. Uh, that, well, we can't tell you what it's about because it's secret, uh, for reasons of national security and things like that. And it's all drafted up by big corporations, and they still can't get through their thick skulls that your governments are just the, the little hirelings of the big, incredibly rich families on this planet. They can't get through their heads. This double think that, yeah, but we're still in a democracy. Really? Well, <laughs> the people you send off to represent you and your federal governments can't tell you anything. Who voted them in? Because it's classified as secret. And you still vote for them. And you still will vote for them, most of you, because it's your nature. You, you can't get past doublethink. Yeah, I know they're not really representing us, but, but, but and then, you see, then in the next bit they'll say, but they are representing us. Oh, make your mind up. Make your mind up. Doublethink. But all areas that affect you, healthcare, economics, everything, 
is run by big corporations. And all the stuff they tell you by experts and pills to take and vaccinations to get are all done by paid experts. And all the summaries and evaluations of various drugs and testings, it's all done by paid experts who work for the big pharmas and get... uh, There's been so many exposés out there over the years. So many articles over the years coming out with this stuff that they, they pay special people to... To write fake reports It's so easy to fake stuff by omitting all the bad Negative side effects of things And so on So easy to do So easy to do They do it all the time And then it's But when they want you to take more and more vaccinations Because it's big, big business Plus it it calls you off down the road With all the cancer viruses and things that are in them And the chemicals are in them uh, It's all bio-warfare to me but, but it doesn't matter. They keep telling, but it's good for all to protect you and to protect your little children. And mantra, the mantra goes on all constantly, constantly, and you don't get a chance to even think for yourself if you can think at all. You got to think for yourselves about everything. When private business exists for nothing more than its economic interests. They have tremendous power because of their financial positions. And they, they, they can, they're always backing the politicians that you think you're giving the vote to. They give them the cash to run. and They're bought and paid for by the corporations, not you, the voter. And that's why they're always pushing these laws through. You can't get to school to take all these shots. You can't do this with all these shots, blah, blah, blah. Business, business, business. Never mind the side effects. A few years ago in the air, I talked about an article that came out then talking about all the little factoids they're dishing out to you. I think they've got a computer somewhere that just makes up factoids every day, little trivia nonsense, utter rubbish, without any validation and backup. Just prattle them off, and folk prattle them off in other shows. It's just incredible to me to, you know, to listen to this stuff. But I talked about all the things that have been printed about testing various things before, drugs and so on. But, and they found that a few years later it was totally fabricated and false. It doesn't make any difference how often you tell the public these things. They've been, they've been taught from birth to trust. They've been, it's been drummed into them. Trust the expert. Trust, trust. So when the experts keep kicking you in the, in the Charlies, it doesn't make any difference. Once the pain's gone, they're back to trusting, trusting, trusting. Can you help people like that? Now, here's an article here. To validate it again, it won't make any difference because folk will forget it as soon as I say it. Because there's always a massive avalanche afterwards by the the PR specialists paid for by the big boys at the top to to contradict everything you've said without any facts. Here's an article here. And it says here, um, it came out first in the German newspapers. Uh, media format And it says In the past few years More professionals have come forward To share a truth that For many people Proves difficult to swallow One such authority Is Dr. Richard Horton The current editor-in-chief Of The Lancet Considered to be one of the most Well-respected Peer-reviewed medical journals In the world And it is Dr. Horton recently published a statement Declaring that a lot of published research Is in fact unreliable at best 
if not completely false. The case against science is straightforward. Much of the scientific literature, perhaps half, may simply be untrue. Afflicted by studies with small sample sizes, tiny effects, invalid exploratory analysis and conflicts of interest, together with an obsession of pursuing fashionable trends of dubious importance, science is taking a turn towards darkness, he says. Since this is quite disturbing, given the fact that all of these studies which are industry-sponsored are used to develop drugs and vaccines to supposedly help people train medical staff, educate medical students, and more. Now, that's awfully important what's just said there. See, you're going to buy this stuff or else you're going to get pushed on you by the big pharma. Uh, but it's more important that, you see, that's who's training the medical staff, the guys who make all these pills and drugs and so on, the drug pushers. And it's very difficult through the indoctrination they get as a medical student to change their minds. Because they're taught right off the bat, they know things the general public don't know. We're superior. And there's nothing worse than than getting the truth through someone who really believes they're superior to you. It's common for many to dismiss a lot of great work by experts and researchers at various institutions around the globe which isn't peer-reviewed and doesn't appear in a credible medical journal. But as we, as we can see, peer-reviewed doesn't really mean much anymore. Credible medical journals continue to lose their tenability in the eyes of experts and employees of the journals themselves, like Dr. Horton. He also went on to call himself out in a sense, stating that journal editors aid and abet the worst behaviours that the amount of bad research is alarming, that data is sculpted to fit a preferred theory, he goes on to observe that important confirmations are often rejected and little is done to correct bad practices. What's worse, much of what goes on could even be considered borderline misconduct. This is Dr. Marcia Angel, physician and long-time editor-in-chief of the New England Medical Journal, which is considered to be another one of the most prestigious peer-reviewed medical journals in the world, makes her view of the subject quite plain. She says, It is simply no longer possible to believe much of the clinical research that's published or to rely on the judgment of trusted physicians or authoritative medical guidelines. I take no pleasure in this conclusion, which I reached slowly and reluctantly over my two decades as an editor of the New England Journal of Medicine. I apologize if you've seen it before in my articles, but it's quite the statement when it comes, when, and it comes from someone who also held a position similar to Dr. Horton. There's much more than anecdotal evidence to support these claims, however, including documents obtained by Lucidia uh, Tomljenovic, PhD from Neural Dynamics Research Group in the Department of Ophthalmology and Visual Sciences at the University of British Columbia, which revealed that vaccine manufacturers, pharmaceutical companies, and health authorities have known about multiple dangers associated with vaccines, but chose to withhold them from the public. It's just repetition, you understand, when this becomes exposed. It doesn't make any difference. The carry-ons look that have never been mentioned. It's just, this is scientific fraud, and the complicity suggests that this practice continues to this day. And it gives you the source of that, too. This is just one of many examples and alludes to one point Dr. Horton is referring to. 
the mission of data. For the sake of time, I encourage you to, to do your own research on the subject. I just wanted to provide some food for thought about something that's not often considered when it comes to medical research and the resulting products and theories which are then sold to us based on that research. The point I'm making here is that the reason that all these drugs and vaccines are pushed is because one of the biggest businesses in the world is incredibly lucrative. And they use governments. All all big corporations use governments as their own private enterprise. Some senators in the U.S. and other countries too also do the same thing. They use their position of authority and power for their own private enterprises all the time. Now, the thing is, the politicians that you think they vote in, after all, they simply appear and you say, well, he's for this and he's for that, he's this party, he's that party, I'll vote. It doesn't, most folk don't even ask how they became politicians in the first place. Never mind what did they do before that? What corporations did they work for before that? Who financed for them to run for politics in the first place? What big corporations donated the money to them? Because they're bought and paid for, you see. And there's many ways to pay them off for pushing various bills through. They become law that mandate you must take this and you must take that and your children too. Everything. Now, the big boys don't see this as corrupt. You at the bottom might think, oh, that's terribly corrupt. The big boys, they they call themselves realists at the top. That's normal at their level of bribery and payoffs and all the rest of it. The moral consequences and the physical consequences on the public of a lot of these medications, etc., and vaccines are irrelevant to them. They're psychopaths. Now, in a similar vein here, I mean, here's one little article. And I hate reading these churned-out articles, but here's one little article that simply augments that. And it says, here's how much corporations paid U.S. senators to fast-track the TPP bill, the Trans-Pacific Partnership bill. You know, this ultra-secret thing that's not meant for the public to know. Uh, It says, critics of the controversial Trans-Pacific Partnership are unlikely to be silenced by an analysis of the flood of money it took to push the pact over its latest hurdle. It says, a decade in the making, the controversial Trans-Pacific Partnership is reaching its climax, and as Congress halted debates the biggest trade deal in a generation, well, I don't know where the debate's going on because you don't hear it, it says, its backers have turned on the cash spigot in the hopes of getting it passed. So the, the ones who are going to benefit, which are the guys who drafted up the first big corporations and CEOs and so on. And it says, uh, we are very much in the end game, the U.S. President, uh, U.S. Trade Representative Michael Froman told reporters over the weekend at a meeting of the 21-member Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Forum on the, the, the resort island of uh, Boracay. And his comments came after TPP passed another crucial vote in the Senate. Says that vote to give Barack Obama the authority to speed the bill through Congress, they call it fast track, comes as the president's own supporters, senior economists, and a host of activists have lobbied against a pact they argue will favor big business but harm U.S. jobs, fail to secure better conditions for workers overseas, and undermine free speech online. So, and even that's misleading. 
it says it comes as the president's own supporters, senior economists and a host of activists. Well, see, his own what politicians do uh, when they say, I'm not going to vote for that, I won't vote with that. What there's, and this happens in all countries. They're actually holding out, individuals will hold out for a bigger bribe, personal bribe, or a, a bigger position in the next part of the government, a higher position. It's all, that's what politics is to them. Anyway, it says, uh, these critics are, uh, are unlikely to be silenced by an analysis of the sudden flood of money it took to push the pact over its latest hurdle. So money, you know, eases everything. Fast-tracking the TPP, meaning its passage through Congress without having its contents available for debate or amendments, was only possible after lots of corporate money exchange hands with senators. The U.S. Senate passed Trade Promotion Authority, called TPA, the fast-tracking bill, by 65 to 33 margin on 14th of May. Last Thursday, the Senate voted 62 to 38 to bring the debate on TPA to a close. These impressive majorities follow months of behind-the-scenes, and here's the real nitty-gritty, wheeling and dealing by the world's most well-heeled multinational corporations with just a handful of holdouts. Again, the politicians that hold out are waiting for a bigger bribe getting given to them to buy their vote. This is using data from the Federal Elections Commission. This chart shows all donations that corporate members of the U.S. Business Coalition for TPP made to U.S. Senate campaigns between January and March 2015 when fast-tracking the TPP was being debated in the Senate. Now, whenever anything for vaccines to whatever and some, or some big th- partnerships being debated for economic unions and so on, they always create another thing called, like the U.S. Business Coalition for TPP and they dole out the cash to the politicians to be all for it, you know. This is out of the total 1,140, no, 1,140,971 given. An average of 17,676 was donated to each of the 65 year votes. Bought and paid for, eh? The average Republican member received $19,673 from corporate TPP supporters. The average Democrat received 9689 from those same donors. And you talk about the average ones, right? Uh, the ones that are higher up and all parties get, all get pretty much the same because they're the only ones that matter. So the amounts given rise dramatically when looking at how much each senator running for re-election received. Two days before the fast-track vote, Obama was a few votes shy of having the filibuster-proof majority he needed. Ron Wyden and seven other Senate Democrats announced they were on the fence on 12th of May. They hold out for extra bribes, distinguishing themselves from the Senate's 54 Republicans and a handful of Democrats as the votes to sway. In just 24 hours, that's all it takes when the bribes come in, you see, for them to change their minds. And, oh, I've, 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 I've considered this and I've decided to do the right thing. You know, yeah. You've all heard it before in every country. This is Michael Bennett of Colorado, Dan Feinstein of California, naturally, Claire McCaskill of Missouri, Patty Murray of Washington, and Bill Nelson of Florida caved, or caved in, eh, and voted for fast track. So they got, their, they got a higher bribe, you see. 
it's just like auction, you know, auctions you go to, uh, and you, you put your bid in there, and you think, well, I'll probably get it, and somebody outbids you, and, and other ones will hold out for it to the, to the end, you see, to put in their bid. Well, it's, it's kind of reversal here for, for the voting and politics. They hold out and hold out, hoping, and, and it goes up and up and up as they, as they get approached. Oh, okay, we'll give you a few thousand here, another quarter million there, and, you know, and then they vote. That's how it works. It says, um, Bennett Murray why did all running for re-election in 2016 received $105,900 between the three of them? Bennett, who comes from the more purple state of Colorado, got $53,700 in corporate campaign donations between January and March 2015, according to Channing's research. Almost 100% of the Republicans in the U.S. Senate voted for Fast Track. The only two non-votes on TPA were a Republican from Louisiana and a Republican from Alaska. Senator Rob Portman of Ohio, who's a former U.S. Trade Representative, has been one of the loudest proponents of the TPP. In a comment to the Guardian's Portman's office, he said, Senator Portman is not a vocal proponent of TPP. He has said it is still being negotiated, and if and when an agreement is reached, he will review it carefully. He received $119,700 from 14 different corporations between January and March, most of which comes from donations from Goldman Sachs. That was $70,600. Pfizer... $15,700, and Procter & Gamble, $12,900. Portman is expected to run against former Ohio Governor Ted Strickland in 2016 in one of the most politically competitive states in the country. Seven Republicans who voted yay to fast track are also running for re-election. Next year, cleaned up between January and March, Senator Johnny Isaacson of Georgia received $102,500 in corporate contributions. Senator Roy Blunt of Missouri, best known for proposing a Monsanto written bill in 2013 that became known as the Monsanto Protection Act, received $77,900, $13,500 of which came from Monsanto. Arizona Senator and former presidential candidate John McCain received $51,700 in the first quarter of 2015. Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina received $60,000 in corporate donations. 81-year-old Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa, who is running for his seventh Senate term, received $35,000. Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, who will be running for his first full six-year term in 2016, received $67,500 from pro-TPP corporations. It's a rare thing for members of Congress to go against the money these days, said Mansoor Gidfar, spokesman for the anti-corruption group Represent Us. They know exactly what, which special interests they need to keep happy if they want to further their re-election campaigns or secure a future job as a lobbyist. How can we expect politicians who routinely receive campaign money, lucrative job offers and lavish gifts from special interests to make impartial decisions that directly affect those same special interests, Gidfar said. As long as this kind of transparently corrupt behaviour remains legal, we won't have a government that truly represents the people. Well, you see, that's how it's always been. It's always been like that. Never mind all your indoctrination and your... And your little Disney stories about the, the responsible 
businessmen and all that kind of stuff and your politicians and the stuff that brings tears to your eyes. And that's how, how incredibly powerful Hollywood is when it can, I mean, you, you, you pull out the stars and stripes and play the right songs and so on and you start crying. And there's the politicians draped in the national emblems and symbols and all the rest of it. It works just like magic. It's Pavlovian conditioning. If people can't break out of their conditioning, it's been, it's been a tremendously powerful tool, this conditioning. It's been used in every country. It was used in Britain for, for generations when the British Raj run at the old world. Uh, it, it's for the upper elite, that is, you know. Whereas in America, it works almost to the bottom scale with indoctrination. It's perfect because true history has never been taught. And rather than have you aware, which is also called streetwise, you've been dumbed down to believe what you're told, that special people are somehow more responsible than you. And the opposite is true. In reality, the sharks and the psychopaths rule folks. In every country. And democracy is a showboat, it's a sham. Always was. Put out deliberately by those who already ruled the old system. And now they've been training you gradually, 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 not even be concerned about it. Just accept that your betters that come out of the special wombs and special birth canals to get launched into the world have the right to rule over you because they're superior than you you see, or to you. So therefore, wake up, wake up. And that means, honestly, I used to say, it's like jumping out. If you want the truth, how many folk truly want the truth? See, most folk, it doesn't matter what it happens to be or the topic or anything else, they'll say, well, give me bits of it on my conditions. In my conditions, you won't disturb any nice feelings about things or infantile fantasies or anything like that. And I used to say, no, if you want truth, you're, you're wanting to jump out of an airplane without a parachute and free fall, and you take what comes. That's what truth is. Truth is a shock treatment, the ultimate shock treatment. Most folk can never get to that stage. They still want to hold on to, well, I like this bit and I like that bit, so you know, leave me that and this and so on, and a list of stuff. That's not what truth is. Truth is looking at things critically, unemotionally, and looking at what is, is. You see, what is, is. That's all there is to truth. The preponderance of evidence or lack of evidence always affects the jury's decision in court. And you have all the evidence you need to back up everything I've been saying here over many, many years to get the verdict. But you don't want to go that way, do you? You want to think, well, like the conditioning from Hollywood, the one will arise, you know, the, the one person will arise. The old Clint Eastwood thing. He'll just ride into your town and clean it up for you. You can sit back and let him do it all. And then you can applaud him and give him awards at the end of it. Well, you do nothing yourselves. Most folks really don't want the truth, you see. That's sad. The worst crime, I think, in all generations going down through history is robbing people of their minds, their own personal mind at birth for their whole life. And generations, mountains and pyramids of people over generations going dying, never knowing truth in their whole lifetime, never having an inkling 
of what really, really was behind anything that happened in their lives. Or even why they were fighting and dying at times and getting used like cattle. Well, that's all the time I have for tonight, unfortunately. Um, and as I say, I'm suffering the deluges here. Everyone's got allergies. I think it's allergies, but it's actually, it's, it's also uh, the intensified barium and strontium and aluminum oxide from the sprays that are constantly dumped on top of us here. We're breathing in all the time. And lots of folk are sick all the time now, perpetually, uh, with symptoms of allergies, but actually it's bronchitis and infections that set in after the the mucous membranes and the linings of your trachea and lungs break down, and then in comes the bacterium. It's all known at the top, this, but that's another story. Remember, folks, too, to use CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. Lots of you do, thousands over the world do, all the time. Uh, for all the information that's on it, in the archive section, you'll find lots of talks on relevant things, the things that matter, not all the scatter that's churned out every day to divert you or having you arguing, arguing with each other over things that really don't matter. And remember, too, you can donate to me, too, and buy the books I have at CuttingThroughMatrix.com. Look them up and see. And you can also buy the discs as well, which are higher quality and bitrate, etc., than the ones you'll hear uh, that I put up. So you can help me out too, as I say, by dishing a, a, a dollar here and there uh, in my direction. It really it certainly would help me out. I'm not selling you anything else. I'm not selling you all kinds of uh, uh, stuff to make you live forever and nonsense like that, folks. I deal with what's called truth. For those that want it, without conditions. From Hamish Marcella from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God, your gods, go with you.